listening to this episode of Ganado Meets, a series of discussions between Ganado team members and sector leaders. I am Jan Rossi, senior associate within Ganado Advocates Shipping Team, and in today's episode we shall be delving into the maritime sector and discussing how Heritage Malta promotes this sector in their own capacity. In today's episode of Ganado Meets Maritime, I have with me Mr. Kent Gambin, the Chief Operating Officer of Heritage Malta. So, uh, good morning. The focus of today's interview will be on maritime-related cultural heritage with particular focus on Malta's Maritime Museum down in Birgu. And uh, the questions will be focused pretty much on that. So, to begin with the first question, Kenneth, the Malta Maritime Museum is currently being restored. May you perhaps shed further light on the proposed plans for such restoration and what the public can expect once ready? Yes, of course. First of all, good morning and thank you to Ganado for, for this invitation. So the Malta Maritime Museum, yes, it's currently undergoing uh, a major rehabilitation project. It is planned... It has been ongoing for the last couple of years or so, um, and it should be ongoing for at least another three years uh, in all, uh, because there are different phases of the project. Um, basically, we, although the Malta Maritime Museum has been inaugurated in 1992, uh, it has utilized only around 50% of the building. Uh, the ex-Royal Naval Bakery was a massive building <coughs> and it was only being utilized more or less uh, in half of its capacity. Uh, the reason being that the other half was practically left as it was since 1945 with all the damages caused by the Second World War. So there are massive spaces which have been left open to the elements and which are now being included in the in the museum experience. So the museum will basically <coughs> double its its space and its and its offer. Uh, this is obviously a multi-million project uh, divided in, in various phases. Um, currently, we are concentrating on the very first phase. Uh, which amounts to around 2 million euro. And <coughs> following that, we shall be supplementing that with around another 20 million uh, from from national funds. Prior to, I mean, as you mentioned, in times gone by, the building was used as a bakery for, I believe, the Mediterranean fleet of the Royal Navy. In the period post to until 1992 when it was actually or 1991 whenever it was inaugurated as a maritime museum was it left vacant and and empty so very 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 brief history of the building uh, <clears throat> during the period of the nights that site was occupied by the arsenal of the order of saint john uh, which was demolished by the british in the 1830s precisely to construct the the naval bakery. Uh, the naval bakery supplied bread and biscuits on an everyday basis to the Mediterranean fleet 
of the British. So tons and tons of bread and biscuits were produced there uh, on a daily basis. Uh, it remained in such use, although it also included other related uses, basically until 1979, when the British uh, left the island and their military presence in, in Malta <coughs> ended. Incidentally, it ended right there at the, at the Maritime Museum. Um, from 1979 to the late 1980s, it was left abandoned. Uh, so parts of it were already in a dilapidated state because, uh, as I said earlier, they were damaged during the Second World War. The other parts were still used as offices and related uh, functions. However, uh, in 1979, the British clothes shop left and the building was left to its own resources, basically. So it was occupied by squatters and whatever else you can imagine. This ended in the late 1980s, around 1988, when then Minister for Education, Ugumafut Bonici, proposed the building to be used as uh, a maritime museum for Malta. Uh, work started shortly afterwards, and the first part was inaugurated in 1992. So we're approaching 30 years now. Thank you for that. And can, we, can the public expect without obviously ruining any surprises, uh, a more of an interactive experience that you encounter now in, in, in modern museums as opposed to, to historical artifacts behind a screen or historical artifacts on exhibition. Can the public, once the museum is rehabilitated, experience something more interactive? Yes, definitely. Uh, the first part of the project which, as I said, amounts to 2 million and is being co-funded by the Norwegian funds, the European Union pro program, uh, is basically divided in two. One million is dedicated to structural repairs and, and other works, while the other one million is focused on digitizing the collection. And this will allow us to create... 3D models and whatever else you can imagine as regards interactive experience. Uh, so we are digitizing the most important aspect of the collection, uh, especially models and navigational instruments and <coughs> other aspects. And this will allow us to, to provide uh, a very interactive and much more interesting experience to <coughs> future prospective visitors than one, what one can find now. Interesting, very interesting. And we, we, we also, I mean, it's pub recently there was an announcement that uh, the Cousteau Foundation, which is connected to the legacy of, of the famous explorer Jacques Cousteau, will also be exhibiting certain of its artifacts as well as its experience and uh, educative part of, of, of what they do on, on cleaner oceans and, and securing the marine environment. So they are also going to be present within the Malta Maritime Museum, right? Oh, definitely, yes. Uh, more than present, I would say they are going to be central. Um, w once we have been approached by the Custo Foundation, 
uh, it was a great pleasure for Heritage Malta to uh, uh, to act uh, positively to have such a, um, a, a positive. Uh, um, it was an honor for us to to include Custo uh, in in the new experience of the Malta Maritime Museum. Custo uh, is. I mean, it, it speaks for itself. I mean, Cousteau is iconic, uh, so it doesn't really need uh, an explanation. And it fits extremely well with the new narrative of the museum, uh, which will also deal with contemporary matters, such as pollution and other uh, matters which are very relevant for today's society. And Cousteau fits in that perfectly well. It's very, very good. I understand a small taste of, of what is yet to come has already been uh, showcased by Cousteau. I believe there's a model of the of the boat, the, the explorer boat used by Jacques Cousteau, known as the Calypso, which also has its origins in Malta. Uh, and apart from the model, there's also a rib, a wooden rib of the original boat, which which is exhibited at the Morta Maritime Museum, other than these two minor items, which are just a taste there. What else do you expect the Cousteau Foundation to present for exhibition at the Morta Maritime Museum? Oh, yes, the, the, the Cousteau exhibition, if I may call it like that, uh, will be definitely much more interesting and engaging than that. Uh, the model is, of course, very important, and the, uh, the rib of the Calypso is, is very important as regards the collection and symbolic. However, the exhibition will include uh, innovative equipment which Cousteau used to to explore the oceans uh, in his innovative ways, uh, such as submarines or saucers, which he also invented to be able to <coughs> to delve into greater and greater depths. Uh, so we'll have equipment, we'll have a exclusive video footage uh, of of underwater, which most of which are absolutely spe- spectacular. Uh, so we can definitely have a, a very engaging experience for all types of audiences, uh, from the very young to the more mature audiences, which also remember very fondly Cousteau himself. Fantastic, fantastic. And... and the location of the Malta Maritime Museum itself, right down by the seaside, the historical seaside of Birgo, also ties in well to, to the whole maritime nature of, of the idea. And what you mentioned before is also particularly interesting, that in addition to the historical aspect, the museum will also be focusing on what needs to be done or rather educating the general public on the protection on the mar- of the marine environment. So you'd have, assumably, kids, outings, and also other members of the general public, not limitedly looking at exhibitions of, for instance, pieces of vessels of the Royal Navy or of the Knights, but they would also be part of the museum on how society should look forward vis-à-vis the marine environment. Is that the case? Yes, definitely. Uh, A museum worthy of its name has to be relevant to contemporary society. And as we all know, uh, the marine environment is 
extremely important, I would say crucial, for the general environment of planet Earth. Uh, as Cousteau himself has explained, possibly for the first time, and made everyone understand the importance of the seas and oceans uh, for everyone's benefit. Uh, so, if we want to protect ourselves and our planet, we have to start from the oceans. Uh, if the oceans are healthy, the rest falls into place. If not, we have problems, as we are seeing now with climate change and what have you. So, uh, one cannot underscore, um, one cannot repeat enough the importance of the oceans. And Heritage Malt already, through its underwater culture heritage unit, um, already contributes towards this by cleaning certain uh, wreck sites in, in the seas around Malta. Uh, however, the, the cost of contribution will now allow us to, to expand this infinitely. Uh, we already have programs for school children. Uh, we go into schools and school children come to us in various ways and obviously the presence of Custo and all the equipment I uh, I referred to before will will help us uh, increase this exponentially. You mentioned the, the underwater cultural heritage unit within within Heritage Malta. Have you recently discovered any wrecks of major historical importance? I recall a few years ago a news item about uh, a Phoenician-aged wreck, I believe, of the coast of Gozo. Was that the most recent finding of, of significant historical importance? But that is definitely the most, perhaps the most important. Uh, it dates to around 700 BC, uh, so it's the most ancient wreck in the central Mediterranean. Uh, probably it includes more than one wreck, uh, but works are in progress to to be able to uh, to ex- to be able to explain this better to the public eventually, even though we already have uh, an exhibition uh, in Gozo and presently now in Malta at the Malta National Aquarium, uh, which explains further the importance of this site. Uh, the underwater culture heritage unit has solved one of the mysteries of the Second World War concerning a submarine. Uh, which it was believed uh, to have sunk off the coast of Libya, but uh, in in fact it was proved to be sunk right off Malta. Uh, And it has been proved beyond any doubt. Uh, And therefore one one remaining mysteries of the Second World War has been solved. Then we clean cultural heritage uh, wreck sites from ghost netting uh, that is done every year and tons of nets have been cleaned from the from the seafloor and it, it will continue uh, ongoing for for the foreseeable future uh, so it's uh, more than that we have made available accessible to the general public uh, around 15 sites virtually so since underwater cultural heritage is it is accessible, but it is difficult to access. Uh, in the absence of that, one can enjoy 
a very realistic dive from his laptop. Uh, apart from that, whoever wants to dive can, with the adequate permits and preparations, dive with, per with the permission of Heritage Malta. Uh, so that is also managed through the Underwater Culture Heritage Unit. It's a very exciting uh, sector which is developing very, very rapidly in, in, the, in the wider culture heritage sector, sector in Malta. I see, I see. I mean, and just over the past five minutes, you've listed so many sites below, below the surface of the sea. We are lucky enough to, to be able to go around our daily lives with so many items of cultural importance, be it on land and without us knowing also on our seas. How does Heritage Malta manage to deal with so many sites across the islands with the resources that it has? Do you have sufficient resources? Do you never have enough resources? How does it work from a managerial point of view? Uh, enough resources? No. Uh, they're never enough. And since the number of sites, being the, them underwater or on land, continue to increase, resources are bound not to be enough. However, we make up for that with a lot of passion and enthusiasm. Uh, which makes all the difference. So uh, we work in a sector when one has to to feel for what he's doing, otherwise it's not his place. Mm -hmm. But once there is passion, uh, it spares you to go that extra mile and what appears to be not possible somehow becomes possible. Uh, so it's, it's a very tough challenge. Sometimes we say that we have too much as an island. Um, and in fact, I believe we can say that after Rome, we have the largest concentration of cultural heritage uh, in the world, considering our surface area, which is very small. However, the, <coughs> the quantity and quality of cultural heritage sites is overwhelming. Uh, however, with the help of other government institutions and the central government itself, uh, we do our fair share to raise the necessary funds. And whatever is missing, we try to make up with enthusiasm and passion. So sometimes, somehow, we manage. I must have had a challenging year with 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 ticket sales due to due to COVID restrictions, with all the museums closed. So the past 18 months have, must have been a challenge. From that point of view, it was a disastrous year. Uh, because admission entrances were practically nil. Uh, so we had to rely on our own internal resources and on direct government help to, to keep up. Uh, it was not easy at all. On a positive note, uh, we have maximized on this very difficult time to make up on some projects which we couldn't do uh, in, in our normal life. So all our stuff reinvented itself 
and helped in initiatives and projects which otherwise we couldn't do if museums had to be open daily as before. So we made up for for the lost time and when we then opened the museums again, we offered a much better experience uh, because uh, we utilized the time, as I said, to to clean, to paint, to 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 do all the required maintenance, which otherwise would have been very difficult. So, although the museums weren't open, you were still working full steam ahead. Actually, in some occasions, even it was even worse than before, uh, because uh, even members of t- of staff who, for instance, usually work at the reception of the museum, they didn't have any work, obviously, because the museums were closed. But, uh, and then I refer again to the passion of those who work in the sector. Uh, They put on gloves and boiler suits and did whatever uh, was required to to keep on going ahead. So we are very grateful to have such dedicated members of staff who are ready to go that extra mile and, and get on with the job. It's, it's good to hear that that staff members were flexible, considering all the circumstances. And related to this, naturally having so many sites under your administration, uh, there's a large financial burden to maintain, administer, and manage all of these sites. How? What are your thoughts on the possibility of commercializing certain sites. Unfortunately, because of the large number of sites that we have in Malta, you still come across certain uh, fortifications or churches or other items of historical importance, which unfortunately are in a dilapidated state. Could commercializing such sites in a sustainable manner be the answer for re- rehabilitating those sites? Uh, I can speak for the sites uh, managed by Heritage Malta, so those under the responsibility of Heritage Malta. Uh, commercialization, it's wide sense, uh, already happens in the sense that we offer services for which you charge, uh, we offer certain sites for for events, for commercial events, um, sometimes for the film industry, for instance, or pro- for private functions, or uh, we sell products from our museum shops. Uh, so commercialization within limits already happens and is very important. Uh, funds are crucial if we if we want to keep our sites at a good level. Uh, funds are absolutely crucial otherwise we cannot keep up Uh, as for other sites owned by the government but not managed by Heritage Malta uh, the most important thing for a site to remain alive is to have some sort of use Uh, if it's not used it's the first part of a dead sentence so it's very important to have a use now that use can be sympathetic to the building or not and it's very important that it is sympathetic but we have examples I mean 
yes, definitely uh, a commercialized use of certain properties is possible. And if that's what is required for them to remain alive, I don't see why not with the correct terms and conditions. But yes, definitely. Okay, thank you very much, Kenneth. Uh, unless there's anything further you'd like to discuss, I think we can bring this very interesting interview to an end. You've broached upon many subjects. We can go on talking forever, I believe, especially on such an area which I find very personally interesting. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs>